Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 145 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you this week? Uh, This week couldn't have worked out any better. Um, Just like last year, this time of the year, I'm on my five-day break now in between um, my terms, I guess. So I've been with the post office now for two years, so I get a my status increases, so I'll be starting to earn additional ways of uh, leave. And hours will carry over from every year. I won't have to get them paid out, so I'll be able to actually like take days off and not have to worry about uh, restarting. So it'll work out with my soccer stuff, um, with the high school, and also with club ball. Um, I'm gonna be able to play some golf this weekend. The weather's gonna be nice. I'm gonna actually gonna be I'm actually gonna be able to watch uh games now i'll be able to watch chelsea play the full thing on sunday uh can't really ask for a bigger game than against tottenham at this point um and yeah i mean as one more thing i went i got a positive start on the pick'em this week i guess to open things up with that i went six and four happy with that positive um zach went 500 there about five and five and then Evan went a bit out of the way there, taking some some shots. Um, went three and seven. Hate so, to see that, really do. Yeah, yeah, took chances on the Chelsea and Man City, so that's where it hurt you a bit. Yep. Um, but still, I think at the end of the day, Arsenal getting the win. I think that's oh, at the end. That's what you want. Yeah. Um, I put a lot of my eggs this weekend into one basket with Arsenal. Um, pr- one of the more commanding wins, honestly, I would say. Uh, so I guess we might as well jump right into that game, right? Yeah, might as well. There's okay. gonna be a lot to talk about here with transfer stuff. Too. Yeah. Um. So Arsenal <clears throat> led off the Premier League season against Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park on Friday evening. I was off. I got to watch the entire game. Uh. I mean, they they got off to a rip roaring start. Gabriel Jesus looks right at home. The way that he, uh operates with the ball at his feet in the box is unlike anything I've I've seen in an Arsenal number nine in an extremely long time. Uh and it's it's super refreshing to see. Arsenal just really right off the right off the block, super hot, attacking football, moved the ball around nicely, I thought. Ten shots uh to their name, two of those shots on target and two conversions. Um one of those was technically an own goal, but um, you know. What's the difference? 43% possession for Arsenal. They didn't hold the ball majority of the game, but when they did, the the uh, passes were intent. I thought there was some intent behind them to move the ball accurately. Not as uh, messy defensively as they typically are. There were a few mistakes that I think Ramsdale made that were abysmal. Um, they got away two unreal saves, but... To be honest with you, the both shots that, that Palace had that were really solid, uh, one was from Eze, blew it right into him, and then one was from Odson and Ward. He wasn't able to uh, get the ball into the right side of the net, and he blew a header right at Ramsdale as well. So the result here could have been could have been different, but I think Arsenal defended with, with purpose. I think William Saliba was like 100% the, the man of the match for me. He was, he's He's been just, I don't know, the, the games that I saw him play in preseason and then this game, uh, he's an absolute boss. And it looks like France are extremely high on him to um, play a part in their, their World Cup campaign. So 
I'm super happy to have him back at the club. It's kind of like a new signing, even though he's been an Arsenal player for a while now. And uh, Martinelli got on the score sheet. He scored in the 20th after, unfortunately, missing a sitter even earlier than the way he owned goal. Palace weren't able to convert on any of their chances, but everybody looked pretty good. I think Partey was a little bit off the pace, and Odegaard wasn't as good as he could have been, but Xhaka and the defense, especially Zinchenko, I think were fantastic. Yeah, I think when Tierney comes back to full fitness, you'll be able to push Zinchenko in a more central role. Um, you could probably take Xhaka out there, and I think that's your prime lineup. Uh, playing, I think Ben White at right back did it okay. Um, might be exposed a bit when he gets more pace guys coming at him, but I think overall he did pretty well. Um, you're right about Odegaard. We didn't see the best of him. He didn't really get on the ball in too many dangerous areas, but other players picked up the slack. Like you mentioned, Jesus um, definitely exploded in that position there. I think he had six successful dribbles beating people. Um, there was that one in the first five minutes or so he intercepted the ball and almost dribbled through everybody and put a chance away. But um, other than that, everybody picked up the slack. And I think the first week or so you're going to see with all the games and teams, there's going to be chances missed that should definitely go in. Like you mentioned, the Eze one, um, Arsenal had one or two. So um, they'll definitely come in time. But I think a clean sheet opening weekend is perfect opposite result of last season and um for crystal palace i don't think they should hold their heads down they did dominate the possession um they led in a lot of categories but they just didn't have the quality at the end to finish the chances um i think if they did get at least one goal towards the end of the game um we definitely would have seen a difference in the result um with either the edward one or the Eze, but um i think Ducore, the debutant for them from the gone from Liga, you definitely saw he 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 played strong in the first half, but died off a bit in the second. I think the fitness fact played into that. Um, not fully up to speed with the Premier League coming from League A. Um, I mentioned he probably would have been playing a bit more chippier, but he just needs to get his legs under him and he'll definitely play a premium role in there for them. Um, yeah, I guess not dragging it on too much. I think both can move on uh, looking better. Palace have to go back at it, though, against Liverpool, which um, isn't going to be good coming off a disappointing result for them. No. Um, all right, we'll move on to uh, Fulham 2, Liverpool 2. The Reds went to Craven Cottage on the weekend in an attempt to start their campaign off with three points. They were unable to do so, however. Alexander Mitrovic converted in the 32nd minute. Uh, Darwin Nunez was able to score in the 64th. But Mitrovic got one back on a penalty. Um, to be honest with you, I, I there's a couple of things that, that I thought about this game. One was VVD didn't look that great. Um, he looked genuinely uncomfortable marking Mitrovic. Um, I know, you know, Matt and I talked about Mitrovic and his unbelievable goal-scoring uh, season last year in the, the championship, but he... He got off to a great start here, and to do it against the pretty much hands-down best center back um, in the league, maybe even in the world, uh, is is fantastic. And, and VVD just didn't look good. He he got absolutely um, left just in the dust the one time, just out, out. There was too much physical play for Mitrovic. He he lost him, and it was, it was a great goal. Um, the penalty was a result of, I think that was... Is that the keeper? 
No, it was on Van Dyke. That was Van Dyke, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tripped him up. Um, two for for Mitrovic. Nunez looks great. I think he's the real deal. He scored in the sixty fourth, and then Salah was able to convert in the eightieth. Um, that is the sixth uh, opening day goal for him in a row, which is unbelievable. Yeah. But um, Henderson wasn't able to get one to curl in towards the very end. That was that one hit the crossbar. I thought maybe it would go in, but there was a, a lack of cohesive play, I think, from the Liverpool side. TAA, I have questions about defensively. Um, I know this is sort of a hot-button issue right now. People are wondering... Uh, whether he should be moved up the pitch, whether they should play three center backs. I don't necessarily think that's the answer. Uh, I just think TAA needs to improve as a defensive fullback. I know that his value as an offensive fullback is pretty much, you know, second to none. Um, but man, he, he got caught looking on that first goal and he just was out of position. And this happens a lot. This happened in the Champions League last year a few times. Uh, you see it happen in the league, and it happened here. So to only take a point away at, at Craven Cottage, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. You don't ever know what you're going to get from a uh, promotion side the first week, but I think Klopp and Liverpool have to be expecting three points here, and one point just not good enough. Yeah, I think that's the problem on Liverpool's end. They were expecting to walk in and bounce yeah. them, and Fulham played very brave. They They were very high on the press, aggressive. Uh, right off the jump, the first minute, Mitrovic had a chance to score. Um, I think Pereira played his role well, just shadowing off of Mitrovic, fill, uh, filling in those gaps uh, that he creates, pushing up so high and worrying the center backs. Um, I think Liverpool, even playing many preseason games as they did, weren't prepared. It seemed like another preseason match, really, in my eyes. I don't think it helped that Thiago picked up an injury here, so he'll be out for the next three to four weeks minimum. They're already low on midfield depth already without Oxlade-Chamberlain. Uh, we know Naby Keita's injury-prone as well. So um, Harvey Elliott off the bench, I think, provided good good uh, minutes in there. Um, Milner as well, but I don't think finishing the game with Henderson, Milner, and, and uh, Elliott's going to get the job done to finish top two in my opinion. Um, Fabinho as well couldn't really get on the ball as much. Um, the Villa, Fulham did a good job of eliminating him in the attack play. Um, unfortunately, I felt Diaz should have grabbed one. Uh, I think out of everybody, he pretty much had the most chances, but um, just couldn't get it right just a bit off. Uh, Nunes as well. As soon as he came in, he stretched uh, the field extremely well, better than Firmino. Um, Firmino picks up the ball in deeper positions where Nunez is more, you can find him through and over the top, he'll make those runs uh, without questioning it and uh, pushes the midfield up forward too um, Fulham's end, I think they couldn't really have asked for a better result uh, going in beforehand if they would have heard a draw, I think they would have accepted that uh, especially with Mitrovic grabbing two, there was so much news on him being a big flop again um, it's. I still think it is too early to say it's not a flop, but yeah. Um, he's definitely. I think he has a good base, getting two goals against uh, a premier team in the league. I think he'll definitely grab at least ten. Play similar to that. I don't know if his body's going to keep up to that standard the full year. Um, but we'll see. I think Palinia played extremely well. The new uh, holding mid for them. He sat pretty much exactly how Fabinho does for them. He cleaned up a lot of plays. He was involved in the attack. 
the wingers provided good assistance. Um, center back partnership of Reem and Adara Bayo did okay. They yeah. just brought in two new center backs and Shane Duffy from Brighton on loan. And then they just bought Issa Diop from West Ham. So now they have four relatively strong center backs that can rotate. Um, and then obviously Burnt Leto didn't play in this game, but I'm sure he'll play one against yeah yep. uh, wolves most likely i don't see he would move there to be the backup so no so i think they're creating a decent squad there it's making me second guess whether they're going to they're gonna get relegated or not but i still think i'm going to hold my long season long season i would say five to ten games in where we're gonna have a good idea of where they could potentially so Overall, I thought it was a really interesting game. I know for a certain point you got pretty bored. You thought it was a sloppy game. But it was sloppy. It, it just think, looked messy. I think it played into Fulham's benefit there. Yeah, and Klopp did have comments about the pitch. Uh, I, yeah, I, don't, I I know that like people don't want to hear that, and I do think like Liverpool and their fans cry a lot, but I, I agree 100%. The, even the pitch, even Selhurst looked really, really sloppy. I don't know what was going on, but... There was a lot of players that were just falling sort of in the open field. Um, I just think right. that these pitches are – it's really hot over there in England right now, like really hot, yeah. hotter than, than normal. Uh, it was like 90 degrees Fahrenheit over there, which is like pretty much unheard of for England. Um, yeah. So those those people melt at 65 degrees Fahrenheit. So uh, I can 100% see why the pitches would be in uh, a state of slight disrepair. But we'll move on to uh, – Bournemouth versus Villa, talking about slight disrepair. Uh, that would be Villa looking absolutely abysmal. Zero press whatsoever going on uh, with this team. Danny Ings, Coutinho, and Leon Bailey across the top. I think Bailey looked all right here. Um, Danny Ings looked absolutely abysmal, in my opinion. Jefferson Lerma got Bournemouth off to the scoring early in the second minute, and then Kiefer Moore added an insurance goal in the 80th minute to ensure that Villa were unable to salvage a point. Um, Bournemouth are now unbeaten 11 home league games after losing three of the six before that, so I guess that carries over from last season. Um, Jefferson Lerma's opener for Bournemouth is the earliest goal scored on match day one by a promoted team in Premier League history. So I thought that was a cool one. I saw that stat um, just a few minutes after it happened, actually. So I thought that was interesting, but Villa just did not look good here uh, whatsoever. Diego Carlos and Ezri Kansa paired at the back center back with Luca Dina and Matty Cash. That back line should be able to hold up against a newly promoted Bournemouth team, and they just were good on the day, to be honest with you. Um, Villa just weren't able to handle it, I think, strategically, whether that be you know the adjustments made by um, Girard on the fly or the way that they lined up in general were just wasn't there and they did manage to get a couple of chances down the stretch they did finish with 15 shots compared to Bournemouth seven um they just were unable to convert any of those even though they held a majority of the possession and I think this is an extremely disappointing result for Villa I was very confident in them but they just did not show up on the day and it was it was not a good performance I think Ings is fucking awful yeah I think going in the lineups I think that was the most surprising yeah, it's so dumb. Him over Watkins, as well as Tyrone Mings, now stripped of captaincy. They handed that over to John McGinn. Um, so I'm interested to see if Mings kind of fights for his role there, or if he does what Connor Cody, Connor Cody just did and maybe left. go out on loan yeah. or left. 
He just got sent to Everton now for the year, which he'll slot right in with all their injury issues back there. But we'll get to that later. So um, that's interesting in itself. He's a big presence that isn't afraid to get active in the aerial duels, which is where ultimately they lost in that game. Uh, first goal was a set piece corner kick from Lerma, and then the second one was a uh, a, a rotated or a recycled ball out to the wing, kicked back in for Kiefer Moore to head in. Completely un, uh, unopposed to challenge for the header. I mean, he is six five or whatever. He's built like Joe Fallah, but he he nobody even challenged or physically tried to get him off balance. So um, I've heard like a good comparison how this Bournemouth squad is structured is like similar to how Stoke used to be. Yeah, uh, yeah, very, I can see very, that. Very compact in the back, big bodies, um, and then they have two big men up front in Solanke and Kiefer. So they're going to be playing very dirty. Um, a lot of set piece balls coming in, which is where they're going to win it. Because possession wise, Villa dominated. They finished top four uh, in possession this weekend, and they limited Bournemouth's chances to seven shots total. So I don't think, I think it just came down to Scotty P out managing TVG in this match yeah. in particular. Um, playing that five back is how they're going to go for the drum score. Um, they just brought in Neto in goal from Barcelona now. As well as a uh, center back and Marco Sensi from Feyenoord in the, in the Air Divisie. So they're adding depth into positions where it seems like they're going to need rotation heavily uh, in case guys get injured. There was very minimal center mid play or midfield play in general from them, a lot of long balls and such. So it seems like they're just going to be very route one, your typical uh, promotion team that's just looking to survive the first year and maybe next year. After one or two more transfer windows, maybe they kind of evolve their system. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what happens there. Um, that was. I, what's it'll up? be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they can get similar results against Man City this weekend. It'll be possession-wise. If Villa has sixty-five, we just saw West Ham only have twenty-four against yeah. City. So I'm sure it'll be even less there for them. Yeah, probably. Um, all right, where are we at next? Newcastle 2, Nottingham Forest 0. This one went the way that I figured it would. I uh, didn't necessarily expect Fabian Shaw to be the opening goal scorer. I thought maybe it would happen a little bit earlier here, but uh, he <clears throat> scored in the 58th minute. Callum Wilson in the 78th. Nottingham Forest unable to register a shot on target in this one. And Newcastle looked great, I thought. They were unable to break that deadlock down. Um, but they did dominate 23 shots, 10 of those on target, 62% possession, nearly doubled. Um, Nottingham Forest's passes, they passed more accurately, played a much cleaner game, and it was just pretty tidy, to be honest with you. Uh, Trippier, Char, Dan Byrne, and Matt Target across the back with Willick, Gamarash, and Jolinton in the midfield. Uh, Almiron playing up top, which I, I can't believe that he still plays for that side, but he put in a shift. Yeah. Uh, alongside Callum Wilson and St. Max. Callum Wilson got that late goal in the 78th. Uh, he's on my fantasy yeah, team. Sure. Yep, I, th I think that was a great pickup. Um, and then Pope was in goal, and Pope uh, didn't have a lot of work to do in this game. I'll be curious to see uh, how he's tested against a better side than, than Forrest. But this is a great result for Newcastle on opening day. I think they looked awesome. It was tidy. It was neat. Um they just played with within that that system there, and I think um, Howe has done a great job with them. 
if they can continue to do this and maybe bring in a couple more guys towards the end of the uh, the, the window, then I think Newcastle are poised for, for a great finish this season. This is just the beginning of, of what's to come, I think. Um, there's no way that, that this team doesn't get more big-ticket, big-name um, signings. And Jolinton, I have to say, looked great in this one. I thought he looked unbelievable. He was he was really, really uh, superb going forward. And Gimaras, he went off towards the end, but he was great as well. Their, their midfield looked strong with Joe Willick in there as well. Yeah, I think Jolinton definitely should have had at least a goal in the yeah, game. Yeah, for sure. A great run and had an open shot top of the box, dismissed it completely. Uh, sure, he'll definitely gra- get uh, grab a couple this year. He already matched his assist total from last year of one. Um, I'm sure, he'll get many more. I think they're still in the market for uh, another striker to replace Chris Wood and uh, a new starting right winger. You mentioned Almiron, so I think the I think the right wing is the missing piece for them just to have more of a distraction off of Saint Max a bit, have more room for Wilson to roam into. Um, Bruno Guimaraes definitely ran the show in the middle of the park as that six sitting in front of the uh, center backs. Everybody but the center backs had a average position of in the Nottingham Forest end of the field. Nottingham Forest just couldn't get out of their own way, out of the back. Uh, played pretty narrow. Brendan Johnson couldn't really get out to the wing where he best best played. Played very narrow in there, and I was kind of surprised they started Surich up there, their guy from last year in the championship, instead of Taiwo, who they brought in. So I don't know whether that was a fitness thing or not, but I was hoping to see him. It was kind of hard for them to mix in so many new signings. I think they're still looking for more signings after the twelve guys they've already brought in. Um, I think center back is their spot they're looking into now still. Yeah. Which- Definitely going to need two playing that five back, but yeah, I think Dean Henderson played okay. He had made a lot of great saves, kept it to a reasonable scoreline for them. But they're just going to have to move on to next week. Hopefully, get a result at home if they can. Um, Newcastle still have Sven Botman to come in. It'll be interesting to see who whose spot he takes. Um, whether it's I, I would think it's Shar potentially. Yeah, but that's just me being biased because I have Dan Burn on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, um, but still, who knows? Um, yeah, I think this just blows up Newcastle's ego even more, and I think next week will be a good test for them against Brighton. I absolutely agree. Um, all right, let's move into Tottenham versus Southampton. It looked like maybe Spurs were going to get off to a rough start here when James Ward-Prowse converted a semi-banger in the twelfth minute. Were but you worried there? I I was slightly worried. <laughs> yeah, I was. I uh, Southampton are a team that can score on you first and then just 100% fall apart. Um, yeah. They they did that here, like, for sure, almost immediately. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon scored a goal in the 21st, just nine minutes after. Uh, then Eric Dyer, which is his first goal in two years, I think, for Spurs. Salisu right. registered three years. Yeah. Salisu cool. registered an own goal in the 61st, and then Dejan Kulisevsky converted in the 63rd. Kulisevsky was absolutely stunning in this game. I said last year he was a great signing. I think, again, this is just the beginning of what he's truly capable of here. Um, With Kulu, Son, and Kane up top and that sort of attacking three. I I really liked how they lined up here, by the way. I think this is an awesome formation to see. Um, 
with Emerson and Sessegnon. Sessegnon, great performance from him, by the way. Uh, yeah. To see those two play in those left and right wing back roles, respectively, with Davies, uh, Dyer, and Romero at the back, Betancourt and Hoiberg sort of playing, um, you know, the pivot holding mid roles in the middle, and the other three up top going forward. It, it's really neat to see. Conte is a, um, in terms of, of strategy, he is truly a mastermind. I think he's extremely talented as a manager, and to have this team pumping four goals in in that in that position um even though southampton tried to sort of fall back and defend just didn't matter and they have so much firepower they look so good kulisevsky with the goal and assist in the first week just absolutely love to see it uh if you're a spurs fan i think they looked amazing and they are at the very top of the uh of the table um tottenham bournemouth arsenal can't believe it but we're ahead of City. Yeah, we didn't see any new signings start in this game for no. Tottenham. It was Nobody. the same team that ended last year. But you did see three of the new guys come in, and Perisic, uh, Basuma. Uh, I think Basuma's definitely going to be battling Benzacor in his spot, but it's going to be tough to take away from him. Um, Kulisevsky's trying to cement his spot because they do have Lucas on the bench. And uh, he's, he, I think he pretty much did a great job there. I was shocked that... Kane and Son didn't get on the score sheet. They both had one or two chances, but um, I think uh, Bazunu, the goalie for Southampton, did a great job, even though he let in four goals. It was just uh, tough for him on his Premier League debut there, the 20-year-old Irishman from Man City. Um, Southampton had to adapt with their formation due to a lot of injuries, so they went with five in the back. Um, Walker Peters couldn't really push forward as, as he normally would like. Because uh, Tottenham was possessing the ball, time and Southampton pretty much played a very safe. They didn't really take a lot of chances on the counter as much, which ultimately down. They didn't have a strong um, striker presence up there or attacking presence in general. Joe Rebo had one break, um, making Lloris have to make his only save of the game. Adam Armstrong was kind of non-existent. I think Lavia, that young 18-year-old they got from Man City as well, had a good showing. He was very, very uh, nimble in the middle, quick on his feet, but uh, one man can't do it all. Um, hopefully James Ward-Prowse can. He did grab me a goal on fantasy before they shut down for the night. Um, I think Gineppo can play very well for them, but playing left wing back is pretty tough for him, having to come back as much more of an attacking presence. So. Yep. Then they are going to have a rough first half of the year. I think by Christmas they're going to be definitely be a bottom five team. I think I can be very confident in saying that out of all the teams so far. Um, but yeah, I think Tottenham, just like Newcastle, got a decent start to where their egos are a bit blown up a bit. And yeah. now both of them are going to have to play a more challenging uh, team. Tottenham having to travel to Chelsea now. Um, should be an absolute battle, but um, should show us what they're all about early in the year. Yep, absolutely. Um, we have Leeds versus Wolves up next. Leeds finishing uh, with all three, and this one, 2-1, was the final scoreline. Daniel Podence got the Wolves off to a hot early start, scoring in the sixth minute. Rodrigo got on the board in the 24th and then an unfortunate own goal that sort of bounced off the ankle or shin of Brendan Aronson and then that just was, 
captain. That's definitely an Aronson goal. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it was probably an Aronson goal. I, I heard his uh, post-match interview, and he said, uh, I think it bounced off my shin. I, I'm counting it as a goal in my book. Yeah. Um, that happened in the 74th, and that was all Leeds needed. I went back into the block and just sat out the rest of the game. Um, there was a conversation uh, between Bruno Lage and, and Marsh towards the end. He didn't like Bruno Lage didn't like the way that Marsh was talking to his players. Um, this is kind of what, what I, it was. that's what it was. Apparently that's what he said. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the explanation that was given uh, to the media. I love to see that. I really do. As somebody that wants Jesse Marsh to succeed, uh, whether it be at the, you know, I guess it's at the expense of, of some of these other clubs. I, I, I want to see Leeds do well because I want to see Marsh do well. Um, yeah. And I want to see Aronson and, and Tyler Adams succeed as well because it's they're, they're truly the future of the, the men's national team in the midfield. Um, this was this was great. I love the passion. I think Leeds played extremely well here. It's such a different look than, than what we saw with Bielsa at the beginning of last season. Bamford not necessarily right on the pace. It's going to take some time, I think, for him to sort of get back into the swing of things. I know we said that during the preview, um, but but that sentiment that I've had hasn't changed. He didn't play the whole game. He was subbed off. Tyler Adams played the whole game. Jack Harrison played the whole game, but Aronson and Bamford, Rodrigo, they all came off. Um, this was not a great performance from Leeds. I think they should have been able to pour it on um, after Potence opened the scoring into sixth, but Leeds just refused to be deflated. In terms of statistics in this one, Leeds... <clears throat> were outshot by Wolves. They had 15 shots versus Leeds, 12. Six shots on target for Wolves versus um, Leeds, four. And they held 60% of the possession versus Leeds, 40. So Wolves, by the, the statistical you know metrics, they, they probably should have won this game or at least stayed in it a little bit longer. Um, they were just unlucky. They didn't defend as well as they probably could have. And the way that they lined up with Collins, Kilman, and Ait Nori at the back, I think Ait Nori was was great for them last year. He was a good piece, and he just wasn't very good here. So that's that's a really unlucky result for Wolves. I'm sure they were probably uh, excited after that first goal that they'd at least get a point out of this one, and they were unable to convert on anything. Yeah, I would say to counter that possession point, I think where the possession they had was in non-dangerous areas for Leeds. Um, I think where Leeds won the ball was in higher places in the pitch to get quick transition plays, which is perfect for Marsha's style and how they go. Um, Tyler Adams was all over the pitch winning the ball. Um, I think where Wolves beat them was on the long switches across the field, isolating guys one-on-one um, because Wolves have one of the better attacking teams when it comes to individual talent. Those guys, Neto and Poden, one-on-one can rip guys apart, which we saw for their goal. The link-up play, I think where they were let down was the key striker position. Not having a figure like Jimenez up there to draw attention, hold the ball up for guys to catch up to was a big miss for them. Uh, had all small players up there compare, or yeah, compared to Jimenez. Um, Leeds took advantage of that, I think. Also, they switched their system from five in the back to, or three, I should say, to now four. The reason we talked about with Cody going to Everton now for a year on loan, I'm sure will turn permanent if they decide to keep this formation. Um, I think Kilman and Collins did okay. They're good ball-playing center backs, but 
were a bit iffy defensively there. Yanni covering it right back for Semedo, who's out. It, not a not your prime guy you want starting out there. And then no. I think Guy Nor is more uh is better as a wing back than a full left back. We'll have to wait and see how the next couple games go for him, but I still think he's a bright spot for them in the back. And then yeah, Sa had a couple couple mistakes there. The the Rodrigo goal, he got his foot planted too long and couldn't move it to save the near post goal. And then the the second goal was unfortunate for them. They were just called out quickly. Uh, I think Bamford did good. He kind of he should have gotten the assist on that own goal. And then uh, Rodrigo played well in behind. I definitely thought he'd have a bright start to the year after watching their preseason. He was a good spot for them. Uh, and yeah, I'm happy with how Aronson and Adams were involved in this game. So I think they should have a definitely a similar performance next week in the fixture. But I'm worried for Wolves. I think Lodge is definitely top three managers that could get sacked. My opinion. Yeah, no, he is. But I said I said the same thing about Patrick Vieira last year, and look where we are now. So um, it's different now with the dramatic changes Wolves are making. Wolves brought in a big player, though. Uh, they brought in, I think, uh, Gonzalo Guedes, Portuguese left winger from yep. Valencia, around $36 million. Um, he's valued at 44 so bargain there. But they're sticking to their... To their um, their roots there, bringing in Portuguese talent should be a good asset for them going forward. Leeds, on the other hand, bringing a backup goalie in uh, Joel Robles, formerly of uh, Everton for five years from 13, 2013, 2018. Just their depth for Meslier, who I thought played well. Um, but yeah, I think I think overall they could definitely move forward and uh, take positives because uh, I don't think Leeds are shooting for a top half finish, but. I think right now getting to that 40-point mark as quickly as possible is the goal for them. Yep. Um, okay, Everton versus Chelsea up next. I'll let you sort of handle this one. Yeah, I mean, it was probably the most boring of all the games. You could definitely say without being biased or anything, being honest. Um, we're still trying to find ourselves attacking at Everton probably won't find themselves attacking over the full year. Um, They're fully investing into the defense. They played with that five in the back, uh, played without a true number nine, rotated Gordon and Gray up there, really. Um, Awobi was playing center mid for a bit, which is really showing the depth they have right now on their team. We did see an unfortunate injury to Ben Godfrey. Hopefully he has a fast, speedy recovery. Oof, I don't think um, it will be fast. <laughs> Was it confirmed on what it was? No, but it looked awfully ugly. That that leg went all the way under his body, and that ankle was twisted. That shit looked like when I first saw it, I was like, ah, he's he's done for. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. We saw yeah. the same happen to Fofano last year in preseason. So um, we wish him all the best. But they do bring in strong reinforcements, like I mentioned. Key mentioning Connor Cody, who was a, a played every single game the past couple years for Wolves. So him and Tarkovsky will be a scary pair back there with whoever else they line up in there, whether it's Michael Keane or Mina. So they're going to be an absolute towering bunch in the back. Um, that Patterson at right wing back seems like he's going to be a good player for them, Scottish, um, until Coleman recovers, I guess. Um, and Golo Conte did what he did, what he does best, winning the ball and getting quick transition play. I think Koulibaly did well. Um, Glad to hear that his injury wasn't that, that serious. 
Uh, I think Ben Chilwell and Reese James didn't have their best performance, which is why um, we saw the scoreline what it what it uh, turned out to what it was. Um, they they're key components in us getting forward and getting chance creations, stretching out the field. Kulabawi's um, direct pass into Chilwell was great, which already that's what we're going to have to be looking more for is more vertical, vertical. I'm like trying to mix it more vertical passes to break the lines quicker. Um, Sterling got on the ball a bunch, took on a lot of players, but ultimately Tim, I think, lost the ball seven times. He was dispossessed. Yeah. Which, which is understandable. He's trying to be that one-on-one guy attacking people. Um, Mount was kind of shadow. He couldn't really pick up the ball um, top of the box as much, which is where he strikes most of its chances. Um, Havertz as well, kind of shady there. Not Not the biggest performance from him as well. Um, and then we did see Cucurella make his debut, which I think he did well. Had a great chance into Sterling, whose shot was blocked by um, uh, Mikolenko. So yep. I think the chances were there to get a couple. Mendy stood on his head, kept us in the game. Uh, could have been bad. Everton is a very bad matchup for us over the last three to four years. We always lose going to Goodison. So that was the first win we've had, I think, four years there, really. Um, and yeah, I guess besides the game, we've started to clear out players. We sent Timo Werner back to Leipzig on a permanent. We sent Malang Sar um, on a loan to buy deal to Monaco, um, as well as Levi Caldwell, Brighton now for that Cucurella deal. He's on a year long loan there, and we're still looking to spend more money. I think we've spent, uh, it's saying, $205 million so far. Yep. And we're probably going to spend another hundred, if I'm going to be honest, on Fofana and probably another attacker. But or Frankie De Jong, I don't know. Where there's talks, there's talks about Aubameyang. What do you think about that? Aubameyang potentially to Chelsea. I would love to see that. Personally, really? yeah, I'd love to see that. Uh, I think he's cooked. I don't think he hasn't been in Spain for more than six months, and he's already leaving potentially. I know. Well, I mean, that's that should be indicative of his attitude. Uh, have you watched the Arsenal documentary? No, I haven't. It's Aubameyang could get shot and dragged through the streets. I don't think I care. He, yeah. He's a true scumbag. He really is. Um, always had an attitude issue. There was a long period where I was um, adamant that Arsenal needed to sign him. But by the time they finally got around to signing him, it was a little bit late. Um, we didn't, of course, could see all of the antics because he was off in the Bundesliga, uh, playing for, for Dortmund who were just never, essentially never competing, uh, for that title during the, during Bayern's reign. They may have won once, I think, um, during those years that he was there, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm fully out on Aubameyang. I'm, I'm glad that he left Arsenal, to be honest. I think he left us in better hands. Um, I know Mikel Arteta did not like him, and I don't think he would get along with with Tuchel. Uh, and well, they're saying because of their time, they spent two years at Dortmund, and they're adamant for each other, and they like I each think, other. I think that's yeah. I think he's openly said like that he accepts certain things about Aubameyang with like tardiness and stuff, but I don't know how it's gonna run in this team. I mean, uh, when I first heard it, I was I was I don't want him. I don't no, want him. there's better. There's got to be better options out there. I think, it's just, 
I think we've waited too long in the window, and I think all the players that we should have gotten went too went early in the window. I don't think there's any options available. I don't know why Chelsea wouldn't have been in for Jesus. I think they were. I think Arsenal just snapped on it quick enough. Man, um, he he would be unbelievable there. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know if City would have accepted selling Sterling and Jesus to us. Oh, uh, that's that's true. That's true. I think that would have been fueling up your rivals too much. Yeah. Think about it. You have um, to spread them out. Yeah, exactly. So that's one side of it. But um, Jorginho getting the penalty was nice. He'll probably have Broad. at least 10 again this year um, and be the top scorer. Um, I think we're, we're, I think Tuchel's adamant on keeping Broya, um, even though he played him off to the left in this game a bit. I think he needs to play central. And you can have Sterling off on the left wing. Left wing is perfect for Sterling. Not, I don't think he'll work well as a shadow or a false nine. He needs to be on the wing, taking guys on one on one down the line, and getting penalties or supplying other people. So, um, I think in time it'll tell, and with more time, with the Tuchel's going to figure things out. And I think it's almost a guarantee we're going to sign one or two more people. I think. I think so too, and I think we're just good on the money. Yeah, I think what Chelsea really should do is, I they're not going to do this. They're they're going to buy somebody, I'm sure, and they're going to spend money. But they should wait and and trigger Tammy's buyback clause next year. I I really am excited to see what what Abraham does there at Roma this year. Um, right. I think he's already developed in, in his time there with Mourinho. I, I think it's only going to continue. And, um, yeah, and they've built the squad even more with signing Wijnaldum and Dybala. Yeah, that, that team looks great. That that Roma team looks great. I saw a picture of, of Mourinho the other day. He looks young. He looks happy. It's 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 a strange... Um, it's a very strange experiment they're, they're going with over there at, at Roma, but... Things seem to be working well, and I, I, yeah. I think that 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 uh, situation over there for Abraham's great, and Chelsea are going to get the chance to buy him at a cut rate, uh, buy him back. I, I think it it could work out. We'll see how this year goes for him, but um, he, I think he'd yeah. fit right into that system. He's a little bit more active, and his touch is is much better than Lukaku, but yeah. he can still play that target man role that Lukaku was supposed to play. Yeah, I think we're going to get more of our questions answered after Sunday against Tottenham. It's going to be a prime prime uh, matchup for us. I think our strong suit is our defense, and I think their strong suit is their attack. So transition play is going to be a massive yeah. deciding factor in this game, whether we can quickly break down their defense, really. I think, I think um, I'm interested to see if Kukul decides to play Kukurella instead of Aspi, slides Kuobali onto the right center back. but Probably. Um, I'd be perfectly fine if Aspi starts too. Yep. Having your guy back there, club captain, staying for another two years. Ideally, he would have wanted to wanted would have wanted to go to Barca, Barca with Alonso, who now's gone, who now is gone. But um, that's another thing I'm happy about. We're starting to clear out the club a bit. Good, which is what we needed for a long time. I think it would have been a great window if we could have sold Kepa, but I think anybody wants to pay his astronomical wages, so um. That's why Timo left. He took at least a fifty percent pay cut to go to Leipzig. Yep. Which I don't think a lot of players would do. No, probably not. 
Um, okay, Leicester City 2, Brentford 2. Good God, this was a sell job. Um, Timothy Castagna opening the scoring in the 33rd, continuing his form from the end of last season, which he uh, was absolutely stunning towards the end there last season. Dewsbury Hall was able to convert in the 46th, another one who was great towards the end of last season. He's one of their budding stars at Leicester City. Um, but Ivan Tony and Josh De Silva had different plans. In the 62nd, Ivan Tony was able to latch on to the end of one and finish. And then De Silva in the 86th to draw Brentford level. At that point, there was just not enough time left in the game. This was a complete breakdown and sell. Um, maybe a, a sort of lack of communication here from Lester and their coach. I don't know what happened here. Um, I thought going into the second half, or, or at least after Dewsbury Hall scored at the beginning of the second half, that this one was in the bag, but Brentford fought back. Um, they uh, they did line up with a fairly similar uh, lineup to the way that they were last year. Wissa, Tony, and Embuemo across the top. I think that's really, really solid. Uh, Norgard in the center of the park with uh, Vitaly Janelt and uh, Jensen on the left and right side. Rico Henry, me, Jensen, Hickey, and then Raya in goal. Um, the way that Leicester lined up, I love this. Tielemans and Didi and Dewsbury Hall in the middle of the park. That's a great duo, by the way. And Didi dropping back and Tielemans and Dewsbury Hall sharing the duties of playing the box-to-box. Um, Madison at center attacking mid. Vardy up top. James Justin, Castagna, Fofana, Evans, and Amarty. Um, at the back, Justin and Castagna, of course, ranging forward and Castagna is great. I, th- I don't know if we're going to see him stay there at Leicester. If he continues to develop, I can definitely see him, uh, gaining a club or gaining a sort of, uh, move to a, a higher profile club. If he's able to, to continue, um, this pace, uh, 14 shots for the Foxes, just eight for the bees, five shots on target for Leicester, 56% possession versus, Brentford's three and 44%. The Foxes should have taken all three in this one. This was a a complete sell, a a total breakdown. Really disappointing to see. Yeah, I mean, I think also Smeichel was a bit tough there for them only a day or two before this game. Uh, I thought it was interesting, not just in this game, but with the new substitution rule. Um, Not every team used four to five subs. Leicester in this particular situation one, they brought Doc on for Jewsbury Hall. Thought maybe before that first goal for Brentford, maybe uh, Rogers would put another defensive player instead of Jewsbury Hall. He did have Mendy, Mendy in there, another mid uh, to sit in front of the back. He decided to only use one, whereas Brentford used all five. Um, and the De Silva, their substitute, scored the equalizer. So, and he made a big impact on well. Um, uh, that'll be an interesting point to see how games are decided a bit. Uh, if teams that use more subs potentially have better results than don't, um, managerial side of things. But yeah, I think Leicester should have won this game. I was happy they didn't because I picked a draw here, which was fortunate to get it right. Um, Leicester have a specific style and they played it well in the first half, but let down. And just slacked off, like you said. They were just late. It was lazy. It was ugly and dirty. Yeah. Um, I think having Ndidi back is great for them, but he still needs to get more fitness under him. He kind of missed the first half of the season, so he had that not him. They still have the the outside the game stuff with the transfers swirling in the club. I mentioned Schmeichel leaving 
Uh, you have Madison and Barnes both having been linked to Newcastle, um, as well as Tillemans with Arsenal and probably other Wells. And you, have, you got the Fofana thing with Chelsea. So um, it's very dicey for them right now because if they do lose one of them and they haven't been spending any money on replacements yet, um, they're going to have to do their business very fast or they're going to be really struggling to finish in that top 10 where we think they will finish ultimately. But if they lose at least two of those players I mentioned, it's going to be very hard. Um, on top of that, if Vardy gets hurt again as well. So um, Brentford, on the other hand, like you said, fortunate to get a point. Um, four back here didn't work well for the start, but they slowly built into the game. Um, Tooney obviously being a menace. I think they're going to have a better performance against United this week. Um, things will open up a lot better for them with how shaky their midfield is at Old Trafford, but they will be home for this game, which should be a benefit. But yeah, uh, yeah moving forward, um, Leicester needing to keep their players will be all right. Brentford just pushing on with what they did. Yep. Um, I will say quickly, Thomas Tuchel is pushing with Todd Bowley to sign uh, Aubameyang as yeah. he's considered their perfect striker. I just finally saw that. I, I like to scroll through. Uh, as we talk about things, scroll through Fabrizio Romano's feed just yeah. in case I'd missed anything. I just don't think there's any other person with that profile with the I agree in the league, and on top of that, with the relationship—maybe not the relationship, but the the background they have together, working together before uh, at a high level at Dortmund. Though so you say they were behind Bayern all those years, they were a consistent Champions League team, so they understand play at the highest level. Um, I think it's a good short-term option if he's here for one to two years. I think that's fine in the time while we look for a long-term plan. I think long-term that Nkuku guy at Leipzig is the premium choice. There's a lot of talk around him being like a 80 million euro guy. Um, I think with Leipzig buying Vern, getting that uh, Sisto dude that everybody was linked with, uh, Leipzig are getting him from Salzburg next season, so maybe they're preparing for Nkuku to leave soon. Yep. If we could get him, that would be premium, but I think short-term, I don't know. I'm just not convinced on Aubameyang, but I understand why Tuchel wants him with how limited the market is, but I just have a bad taste in my mouth because of what Barcelona did this summer to us with all of our targets. and Yeah. Just helping them clean their wages, I just like. Yeah, it's dirty. It's nasty business. Um, you still there? Yeah, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Move on. That's okay. Oh, I'm ready to move on. I can't wait. Uh, Manchester yeah. United won, Brighton two. I mean, what an absolutely shambolic shithole club Manchester United are these days. It is. Hey, with your chest. Absolutely unbelievable how putrid they are. Um, Eric Ten Hag with his multicolored pen on the sideline just doodling away. Christian Eriksen playing the false nine with Rashford and Sancho out on the left and right wings, respectively, with Fernandez, Fred, and um, good old Scott McTominay at the back, who at this point, give me six weeks of training and I'll give you a run for your money, Scott. He is... It blows my mind that him and Fred are in that midfield. We're talking about the biggest club in England, a top three 
profile club in the world for the last hundred years. And this is who you're trotting out every weekend. This is who you're trotting out to play against Brighton, who absolutely picked you apart for the entire first half. It was like towards the very end when United were able to sort of get something going, and they weren't even able to convert their own chance. It was an own goal from McAllister, who otherwise had a really solid game. Um, Defensively, they look poor. I think Dallow looked okay, and I think Shaw is good enough in this team, but he wasn't great on the day. Um, McTominay was dispossessed early. Gross was able to convert. And then I didn't catch the second goal either, but but Gross had that one too. It was a play side of the box. De Gea saved it, pushed wide, and Gross got the rebound okay. before, uh, before I think Fred could stop him. Yeah, and I mean, Gross is, is playing like wing back and not even honestly this was uh, he's, uh, he he played center mid in March Trasarda they played like a 3-3 three, three, it was a 3-3-3-1 three, 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 they did a an old school Ajax move on Ten Hag who ironically was against him with his Eredivisie history uh, this was just so compact and crisp and directed football that was played by Brighton um of course helmed by Graham Potter who just every time I think is overrated proves me wrong. This I don't think many other clubs are going out there and playing this way. Um, it was so clean, you know, despite the own goal from McAllister. This was a great performance from Brighton. They're getting the most out of what they have, and they don't have a lot. Um, Sully March, I think, looked okay. Welbeck, not unbelievable, but got on the end of a couple I thought maybe would go in. Um, in terms of stats, Brighton did have four shots on target. They only had 37% of the possession, but it was an important 37%. Uh, United spent a lot of the time trying to play out of the back. I can tell Ten Hag is trying to instill that in them, but it it has not caught on so far. I, I think it's going to be... A long transition period. I don't think Ten Hag was going to come in. I, I didn't think this that he would just come in and fix things immediately. It's just it's it's not going to happen. It was never going to happen. They have a lot more business to do. If they don't improve that midfield, United are actually going to finish ninth or tenth, where I have them um, sort of marked. And we haven't even talked about Ronaldo being benched for this one. I know that he's not up to fit. Uh, or his levels of fitness that, that Ten Hag sort of wants him to be at. But I don't think the two are necessarily getting along either. I know that Ten Hag admires him as a player, but I don't know. There's there's stuff going on in that locker room that I just think are, are, are probably unmendable. Uh, I think the fence is just broken, and I have no idea what to expect in terms of how much he's going to play, but... It's it's ugly, man. When when Ronaldo came in, things didn't change all that much, and uh, I don't know. It's bad. It's a shit show. I think giving credit to Brighton, their team. Yes, they were great. They were great. They know their system. They know each other well. There were too many changes to the lineup. We did believe Basuma would be a huge loss, but Caicedo filled that role phenomenally. Um, Lalana as well played great. Danny Welbeck led the line phenomenally. His involvement was great. He was starting to feel a lot. Got the assist on the first goal to Gross. The back line wasn't challenged too much. 
the very very tall stature in there, although those guys dominate. So overall, I think that them knowing their system well enough to United, who are always changing with their system management, that um, I think after so many managerial changes, it has to be sooner or later on the players and that. So it's going to be a long process to slowly get these players out and get new ones. It's, it's the most toxic club in the league right now with the fan base and media attention and everything so they're just heavily under the microscope for the smallest of things i think erickson was a positive to the team he was on all the set pieces which sucked he took away from bruno killing me on points there but um he, he's he's definitely something that i can understand taking control more i think rashford was invisible got on the ball very minimal um, not having a true striker figure in that team, like I mentioned with Wolves, was a big miss for them. Even Ronaldo came on, he didn't really do much. Um, I think he mentally is out of the club. He's just waiting for that opportunity to leave, just like last year with Juve. Uh, I think getting him out will help the locker room uh, morale get up, but it's it's a tough situation. We still have a long time until the window closes for business to go through. I think if they can make one or two signings to change the lineup, it'll go a long way, but it's a waiting game on De Jong. Chelsea's involved in that now with the player wanting Champions League football. But I hope Chelsea there. take him. I actually do. I want to see I want to see United fucking rot. Primarily, I think just the he wants to stay at Barca, but it's it's pretty much a, a, an endless cycle there with Barca needing him off the books to be able to register new players and him just loving the club and that. And he's still owed money. I think United came out and said they will cover the, the money that, <laughs> that Barca owe him. Fucking insane. I think it's like 17 million euros, so it's a lot of money. On top of the 72 and a half they're willing to pay Barca for him, and then he's on 400 grand a week at Barca, so it's a big commitment, but I think it'll be a, definitely an, uh, a improvement from Fred and McDonald. So yep. I'm not confident. I think I think um I'm Brighton. I think compared to last year predicting them to be relegated. I'm pretty strong with them to consistent performers week in and week out. I don't see them getting blown out by anybody very often if at all. United I'm I think week in and week out I'm gonna be a doubter on them so I'm proven on otherwise consistently. So um they need they need Martial to come back soon to have some sort of figure up there, even though he probably isn't the answer. It's tough. Yeah. I got one more thing before we move on with the Arnautovic stuff. Oh, brother. The backlash from everybody on social media ultimately shutting off that deal. Um, that's crazy to think how much power the fans have over the, the deals that uh, in the club sometimes. Well, I... Th- I th- it's crazy to say this because we know what football Twitter is like. It's dement. It's mostly absolutely demented brains on there. But um, they, I think, the fans know. They they know how bad it is at United right now. The realistic ones and be going in for Marco Arnautovic, is who is thirty two years old and has been playing in China for the past five years is. It's ludicrous. It's so insane. When you have clear gaps at other positions 
I don't know why you would go in and spend, even if it's just 15 mil, I know that's chump change, but why would you add that, that other layer of frustration and have to work him into your system? I, and I know that him and uh, I think he played for, for Ten Hag at FC 20 or something like that. It was many, many years ago, but I, I don't, I don't think that that's the sort of answer that you need. And, and I'm glad that the fans have been outspoken. I don't hate United, but I hate what they've done to themselves. And because of the, the pain that they put themselves through, I want to continue to see them fail until they, they figure it out. Because if, if they, you know, get a, a decent result, a de- decent finish, then they're not going to, they're not going to be the powerhouse. They're just going to be another middle of the road team. And it's sort of what Arsenal did for years. They just, they just made the wrong decisions. They made half-assed purchases and with no real sort of goal and that's why things got so ugly there so I don't want to see that happen to United I really don't they were a team that I always enjoyed watching growing up like immensely uh they have an extremely rich history and they should be a powerhouse they should be up with City they should be up with Liverpool right now and they're not because they've made really 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 poor decisions and I don't think they should be rewarded for those decisions I also think transfer business it's tough for united to realize that they can't buy the top tier talent like city and liverpool are right now and uh you're seeing clubs like brighton with i mentioned Caicedo. they bought him uh in the winter 2021 for about five and a half dollars they sent for half a season came back he's turned into an absolute he is player. immense yeah he is a demon um, he replaces Basuma perfectly, who they made a massive profit. Brighton, in this window alone, have made a profit of $88 million. They've had replacements instantly in their, in their club already to not have to waste that money. So I think I think Chelsea are in a similar situation where you need to buy young players for a cheap value or find gems here and there, cultivate them for a year or two, and then they turn into absolute demons, which... Yeah. I don't think it's possible for clubs at that level because the fan bases want high high profile guys to have something to talk about and also on the marketing side of things you need people to buy shirts and I think people would rather buy you saw last year with the Ronaldo thing they made massive money the stock prices went up and everything and ultimately it was a big improvement on making money whereas if you're buying people like Caicedo like people are going to be like who the fuck is that um, how is he going to help us now? It's just a we live in a, a short, a short attention span, short, short term view on things. To where long term with these smaller clubs, they understand their roles. To where they aren't going to be able to build massive teams to compete for the title like other like all the big teams now. So they have to slowly develop their own talent, sell on, make more money, and slowly improve on their youth systems. So. I don't know. It's a tricky system. It's something that's not going to change probably for United. And Zach keeps saying nothing will change until they're relegated. So it seems like the club will never change. Yeah. And he's right, unfortunately. Um, We'll move on to the last game of of game week one, which was Manchester City versus West Ham. Uh, A dominant performance from... Manchester City here, Erling Holland scoring two in this one, one penalty in the 36th, and then another in the 65th. Uh, this guy's a demon, truly, yeah. in every sense of the word. He looks like he's from a different dimension. Um, he p- plays in a different way. 
he's kind of a psycho freak. A little bit reminds me of of his Laton with the way that that he plays. Um, except the fact that he's probably fundamentally even better. Um, he's a better finisher, I think. Zlatan was a little bit better with the ball at his feet, probably. Um, but Erling Holland is unreal. I know I expressed some doubt about the way that they would play um, with him and, and getting balls in service-wise, but, uh, you know, this was just disgusting. KDB playing him an unreal ball that most strikers would probably try and take a touch to settle. Uh, not not Erling Holland. He he decided to just absolutely rocket it off and, and finish. That was the goal in the 65th and then that penalty in the 36th. Um, he just stepped up and rifled it. There was no sort of deliberation, anything. Just put it right into the side pocket of the netting. Uh, so much confidence on this guy, and he is so young. Cursed twice in his uh, post-match interview. You can tell how young and just how much he just doesn't fucking care. And I think that's that's sort of um, maybe what City, probably not what they need, but I don't think it's a bad thing. It's good to have a collection of personalities. And from what I heard, um, Pep calls all of the guys in training by their first name. Uh, he he calls he calls Holland just Erling Holland. <laughs> he calls him by both names. I'm not sure why, um, but I think to mature under a manager like Pep Guardiola is something everybody uh, at this point probably wants. And I think it's just going to be an unbelievable season to watch him develop and and further uh, improve his craft. And in this one, it was just complete uh, paralysis, death by a thousand cuts. They sliced West Ham a million times and just let them bleed out. Those two goals were all they needed to score. They probably could have scored more, um, but there was no way that West Ham were going to be able to convert their chances here. Um, despite, I don't think, playing awfully, they just they just weren't going to be able to to ever maintain the ball long enough to work it up, play it out of the back, and get it up towards the goal where they'd be able to convert um stats city 14 shots versus west ham six two shots on target for city 76 percent possession in this one this was a complete just strangling of west ham and it, it's crazy how good city look yeah i think holland set the tone right off the gate he did uh, posing himself on the back line um went up and had a collision with fabianski which led to him being injured um Ariola came on and two minutes later immediately took Holland out in, in the penalty. So I think he mentally just gets in people's heads. Um, just like how players in the past used to with Aguero. He was always a menace up there, not the same size and such. People were always mindful of him and where he was and now a different level, a different animal. Um, you definitely see the style change in how City attack. They are more opt to whip in higher balls, higher crosses to him because he obviously is willing to challenge for them and win most of them. Whereas in the past, Jesus, Sterling are more obviously smaller and balls played on the floor are best for them. So a lot more drag backs, which can open things a lot more for Grealish and Foden there on the wing. Mars coming in late. I think Gundogan had a good performance. Definitely could have had a goal for himself, but was looking was playing very unselfish, trying to find Holland as much as yep. possible. 
Um, you know you have Cancelo advancing very high as that left back who just fills into the middle a bit, so it turns into a back three for City. Um, Ederson didn't have much to do. I think he had one to two saves. Rodri played how he normally does. And you had guys like uh, Calvin Phillips and Bernardo Silva coming off the bench. Bernardo Silva, I think, is linked with Barcelona right now. I think he wants to go there, but um, I don't think financially it can do that currently right now um, with all the registration and such. But I think once Aubameyang, he ultimately leave. He'll probably maybe go. But besides that, this game, yeah, was one-sided. I think West Ham, you can't really ask much more to do. Um, guys were very limited on the ball because as soon as City lose it, they strangle you into... Little pockets, they hunt in packs to win the ball back. When they're in high positions, they just ultimately get quality chances. So they get a much more favorable matchup next week against Nottingham Forest. Hopefully goes more in their favor. Yeah. I that was an I watched that, that whole game and I was just like I don't I don't see how anybody's gonna break this team down. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I know world. what's up? Yeah, keep no, keep going. We didn't see a, a full-strength Liverpool. That's going to be the team, I think, that are going to be able to break City down. And if you guys remember, Arsenal did break them down in the first half of a game last year, but were unable to take any points from it just because City outlasted them. Um, it's about being able to match City's intensity for an entire 90 minutes, and that is extremely tough to do. Yeah, and I will say West Ham did make another signing. They signed Maxwell Cornet. From I saw that. Yep. So that's another attacking option for them. It's a great and signing. We did see uh, Schmecka come in and make an appearance. Couldn't really get a, a big stance or a big print on the game. Yeah, he couldn't make his stamp on the game as much as he would have liked. But I think um, it'll be interesting to see if Moyes tries him and Antonio up there together. Should be interesting. Two big lads uh, dominating the back lines in the league. So um, maybe we'll see that against Forrest. Yeah, perhaps. Um, all right, let's move on to match day two. We have Aston Villa and Everton taking on uh, each other at Villa Park Saturday, August 13th. No Friday games this week, which makes me want to cry. Um, it's just one more day for us to wait, but I think we're looking at a draw here. Are we? Yeah, I think so. I think we're looking at a draw. I don't have any sort of confidence in Villa after after their performance last week. I think a 1-0 uh, loss to Chelsea is actually all right for Everton. Um, Anthony Gordon seemed to be the sort of cornerstone last year, and I think it's going to be that way again. Um, and unless Villa change up and, and grab Watkins and start him, I can't see them getting off the, getting off the uh, ground here. So I'm going to take a low-scoring draw. Yeah, Zach is going to go with Villa. Thinks they'll bounce back. Uh, I'm going to give you some stats maybe to sway you, see if you decide. Everton have failed to win 16 of their last 17 away matches in the league. Aston Villa have kept a clean sheet in their last three home matches against Everton in all competition. Villa are undefeated in their last six matches against Everton. And Aston Villa have failed to win their last five matches in the Prem. Does that sway you at all? No. Yeah. I have to trust my gut. And I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be a draw, too. I think it'll be like a nil-nil. I think Everton, with the addition of Cody, is going to be phenomenal for their structure. He's a great leader, England international. 
um, along with Tarkovsky pushing for to earn a spot for Qatar. Um, obviously, they're going to be without DCL for the next six weeks. I think Rondon is going to be an option, not going to be enough. Um, so it's going to be a very big battle in the midfield. I think Villa will hold a lot of possession, but I think where Everton can get them is on set pieces, which is where Villa are seeming to be that they're weakest, especially if Mings is in there. So I could see a 1-1 draw. All right, cool. Um, all right, we have Southampton and Leeds up next. Another Saturday game. I'm taking Leeds. I'm yeah. all, I'm already turned over onto Leeds after their performance last week against Wolves. I think Wolves are a significantly better team than Southampton. I have to follow my preseason predictions at this point and continue to fade Southampton. They wilted after the equalizer against Tottenham. I think Leeds have plenty of attacking power, and they're going to be able to break down Southampton. I love a 1-0, 2-0 victory here for Leeds United. Yeah, Zach's going with Leeds as well. This is a tough one for me. Um, This is usually a Southampton type of game. They they lure you into not picking them, and they just jump down your throat and get a weird 3-1 result. Um, Some stats there have been over two and a half goals scored in 10 of Leeds' last 12 away games in the Prem. Southampton have lost their last five in the league. Over two and a half goals in Southampton's last six games, so this is going to be a high score apparently. Southampton have conceded at least two goals in their last seven matches as well. Southampton have seen under two and a half goals in their last three matches against Leeds in particular. I want to join you guys with Leeds. I felt like last year, or last week, sorry, I, I originally wanted a draw against Wolves and then I decided on a winner. But um, if Southampton come out in that five back, I think Leeds will control the game well. Um, but I think once again, I'm going to be a little hesitant on them, not fully on the train. So I think I'm going to go with another draw here. All right. Fair Tough enough. Tough to say that. I want to pick a win. I really do. But I, I just have a sneaky suspicion it'll be a draw. Yeah, I have some draws upcoming on my board, but that's uh, that's not going to be one for me. We have Arsenal taking on Leicester City. This one I've never been more confident in Arsenal. We've had Leicester's number uh for quite some time now i think since 2015 we have a pretty compelling record against them um and i remember that year fully vividly um but i like them here against leicester i think we're gonna see gabriel jesus get his first regular season goal um and i especially after that collapse last week i I just can't see leicester getting it done against this arsenal side who have a lot of venom up top yeah zach as well with arsenal and i'm do the same. It's hard to go against them. William Saliba looked phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough for Jamie Vardy to find those pockets in behind. Um, that midfield is going to be a big battle. If Zinchenko slots in there, I think they dominate. I think Xhaka can do an okay job, but um, if you guys can open up that pocket in behind Ndidi, I think those center backs are weak enough to where you can pick them apart. I think Saka going down that right side will be great. So I think it should definitely be an Arsenal dub here. All right, cool. Um, and then we have Brighton versus Newcastle. This is going to be a really entertaining watch. Uh, Brighton are actually the favorite here. I'm going to go with Newcastle. I just think after that performance last week, um, 
that they're they're going to play a, a very distinct style of football. It's going to be tough for them to break Brighton down. I think Newcastle have more power going forward, but Brighton are much better in the midfield and at the back. So this is this is going to be a super low scoring game, in my opinion. Uh, it's going to be a good battle. I just can't see it being a draw. I, I like Newcastle to come out here. I know that's that's maybe a bold pick, but they're going to be the dog here, and I think the the plus money if you're actually betting is is compelling as well. Yeah, Zach's going with a draw here. He doesn't see a clear winner. I'm leaning more towards there being a winner here. Yeah, me too. I'm starting to believe the Newcastle hype make the midfield a bit better. I think the wing fullbacks for themselves be a big factor. Um, Brighton will con- I think Brighton will control the game and the flow, but I think the explosiveness that Newcastle have will open things up a bit more. So I think I'm gonna back Newcastle here again, like last week. Okay, I love that. I'm I'm hyped for that one. Um. Okay, we have Manchester City versus Bournemouth up next. This one I don't think we need to explain much. Uh, Bournemouth did get a result last week, but I don't think they're quite ready for City. Um, like I said, it was death by a thousand cuts to West Ham, who are a much, much better team than Bournemouth. So I think we're going to see a repeat result here. I can see City pumping five past them easily. Yeah, Man City have scored at least two goals in their last 11 matches against Bournemouth. Uh, was they've seen over two and a half goals in the last six against Bournemouth. Bournemouth not having 35% possession against Villa. Seven shots in a 2 0 win is not going to convert well into the city one. They're only going to have 20 to 25% possession with limited opportunities. If they can't capitalize early, it's going to be a long game for them traveling up north. It's going to be a long journey from the south coast up to Manchester um, early on in the day for them. So I'm going to go with city, and Zach is going with city. Okay, cool. Um, then we have Wolves and Fulham. They are all set to take each other on at the Molyneux, so the home game for Wolves. I like a draw here. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the Wolves look like in terms of ability to close a game out. I think their performance in the second half last week was really, really poor. Fulham managed to secure a point away at Liverpool. Uh, I don't necessarily know how I feel about either of these teams right now, so I'm going to go with the default and go with the draw. I think it's a similar style for Wolves going up against Leeds. Same Fulham here. Fulham with the amount of pressing they did. I think them and Leeds were like the top two teams with presses last yeah. week. Wolves are going to work hard to battle that. They're going to have enough up front to do the job. They're definitely going to have more of the ball and more opportunities. I think Mitrovic being an X factor with the style there, I think Pereira is going to fit. I'm I'm gonna take a chance here and go with Fulham away. Tough back to back positives for them is strong going forward will boost them to get out of that drop zone early on. So I'm gonna go with Fulham on the road. And Zach, like you, is gonna go with the draw. Okay. Cool, fair enough. Um after... put my neck on the line for you guys. Yeah. Alright, after that we have Brentford versus United. Uh, United are the favorite here. I'm taking a draw, man. I, I can't bet on United in good conscience. I just don't think that, um, 
we're going to see Ronaldo again here, and if we don't see him, then that's a gigantic issue. Brentford are winless in their six top late meetings with United since beating them twice in 36-37. It's uh, <laughs> a long time ago, but uh, I think they get a result here. I, I just I, I don't think this is going to be uh, United's day. I'm going to take a draw. I can see it maybe being 1-1 or maybe 2-2. United have been losing at both halftime and full-time in their last six away matches. United have lost their last six away matches. As well as Brentford have seen over two and a half goals in the last three matches. So it's going to be a high-scoring game. Both the last, both of the meetings last year, United won 3-0 and 3-1. Um, I think United can be more open here. It's not going to... I think... Brentford won't have as much of a control as Brighton did last week, which should be good for United, but um, counter, they will be exposed a bit. Uh, I think a straw, a draw is a good pick here. That's what I'm going to go with. Uh, Zach's going with United again. I just I just don't have that confidence in them, so um, I think that's my draw. Alright, cool. Um, okay, we are with Nottingham Forest and West Ham up next. I think this is a great spot for West Ham to get three points. I'm going to take them straight up. Uh, disappointing against City last week, but to be honest, what else did we expect? Uh, I know I, I picked a draw, but, um, just, just, you know, I should have known better. I, I think City are just too good of a team. Nottingham Forest, on the other hand, looked pretty flat last week. Lingard not super involved. I think West Ham are going to be poised to get a good result here, and I'm hoping Jared Bowen gets on the score sheet. Yeah, he has to kind of pick up where he left off last year. I think it was expected against City. Have a day off there, but if you want to say that. Um, like I think like you, Zach and I are going with West Ham as well. Uh, I think Nottingham Forest will have a better showing here at home, especially the fans will be extremely loud. Uh, their first home game in the Prem since 99. So, uh, one thing going against West Ham, they have lost five of their last six away matches in the league, carrying over from last season, as well as West Ham have conceded at least two goals in the last two matches. So, I do see both teams scoring here, but I think West Ham earned the, earned the three points at the end of the day. All right. Uh, we'll move on to game of the week. We have Chelsea taking on Tottenham. Uh, this game is at the bridge. Chelsea are the favorite. I'm going to put an irresponsible amount of money on Tottenham. I saw what I needed to see from them last week. They're going to have Richarlison available. The back line looked shockingly pretty good, despite my issues with Eric Dyer last season. Uh, I know I said he wasn't up to snuff, but I think him. Sessegnon was great last week. Romero's been good for a while now. I don't know. I'm confident with Tottenham. I don't think Chelsea are going to be able to put enough um, of those chances away, despite how many chances they do create. Um, I just think Tottenham have more firepower at the at the striker position. So I'm going to take them. I know that's sort of an oversimplification, but um, despite Mendy being probably the best keeper in the league, I just think Tottenham have too much to deal with. Uh, Zach agrees with you. He's going with Tottenham as well. Tottenham have been winning at both half and half time in the last four matches, as well as they've won their last four matches. They've kept clean sheets in five of their last seven away matches. 
Chelsea are undefeated in their last five Prem matches. Originally, I was going to go with a draw. Uh, I don't see, I didn't see a clear winner in this, but I'm going to be irresponsible as well and back my team. I think this is going to be one of those things that comes out of nowhere. I think it'll be like a 1 0 win, 2 1 win. Um, we have to get a big win here because if we do ultimately lose, it's going to put more pressure on us to get these signings in as quick as possible. So um, I think we, and at the end of the day, I don't, I don't, I think people are over getting too over the board with Spurs after the first week. I think Chelsea did enough to get the win last week. Should have been a draw. I think if we're being realistic, but I think the structure was there and I think, We'll be able to open things more up because Tottenham's not gonna pack it in and for the ninety minutes and really just play counter. I think they're gonna be more open. Things will be easier if you want to put it that way for our attackers to have more opportunities to find the weakness and penetrate them. So I'm gonna go with the Blues. Okay, cool. We have Liverpool versus Crystal Palace rounding us off. This game is on Monday. Love to see that. I'll be off for this one. Game starting at three p.m. Um. I'll take Liverpool. Uh, I know this is just me falling into traps. I don't think Palace looked all that bad last week. They knocked the ball around relatively well, just weren't able to convert against an Arsenal team. Um, if VVD looks off the pace again, there's there's a chance that, that Palace could at least score. I love the both teams to score about if you guys are looking. Um, but I think Palace or uh, Liverpool win this game pretty easily. I just... Can't see Palace scoring a ton of goals, and I think Liverpool are going to be rip roaring to go. Nunez and Salah are just a truly demonic duo. I, I thought maybe Nunez, when he came in, was was going to be a little bit overrated, but he he doesn't seem to miss a step. That guy, he's he's really really good. Yeah, I think he has to start this game. He has an impact, and his style compared to Firmino is completely different. The way yep. he uses yep. the field and make Ryan. It ultimately helps Salah Diaz. So, um, Zach's going with Liverpool. I'm as well. I'm going with Liverpool. Um, Palace are definitely dark horses in these games. They can definitely upset things. They beat City last year, and I think draw the other game too. So, um, they are opportune to these moments. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Palace do what Fulham did. But I think just being safe to go with Liverpool to bounce back because they have to. I don't think. They drop two games. It'll be really poor. And they need to gather as many points as they can before the World Cup because you have, you never know who may get hurt in that situation. Yep. Okay, guys, that is everything. An hour and a half for you guys. The week one review, week two preview. Hope you guys enjoyed. We can't wait for week two. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. A uh, little bit of a recommendation. Sandman is out on Netflix. If you guys haven't read the comic, I don't know. There's probably not a lot of comic dorks that read this or fiction dorks. Neil Gaiman, he wrote the uh, he, he he wrote the comics. It's so good. Matt, please watch. You you'll love it. Uh, we have similar taste in in television shows. Um, you'll love it. It's a drama, but it's it's extremely good. So for those of you who are are maybe looking to fill the show hole, because I know everybody struggles with that. Check it out. Just came out. It's really good. Um, but yeah, Twitter, Instagram. I don't know why I felt the need to plug it, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, and we'll see you next week. Make sure you uh, check, like, 
or subscribe, whatever you have to do um, on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, stay safe. We'll, we'll see you guys soon and enjoy the weekend's games.